and welcome to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 16. I am your host, as usual, Hamish Carton. In the week that Celtic got back to winning ways, we are back once again. John McGinley is back. Hello, hey, how you doing? Very well, John. And um, a very rather kind of not feeling very well hungover Paul Fisher is also just about back. Uh, just about hanging around in there, Hamish, yeah. Hanging. You can hear in his voice, can you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, um, Paul, you were, I mean, inform the listeners, what were you up to last night? Um, I was waiting for my mate's um, 30th birthday, uh, we up Largs, the wonderful town of Largs, and a few too many. If mm. anyone follows Paul on Twitter, they'll know how steaming he was last night. Um. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, your, your news feed was very eventful, um, it wasn't quite as eventful as Agent Scotland, the reason a night out, but um, you kind of kept the lid on it enough, Paul, um, but it was clear no you were having a good time. Yeah, so good stuff, mate. Um, yes, we'll get into the action today, it's worth pointing out straight away, I'm putting a massive uh, disclaimer to my performance mm. on the podcast today, um, I've spent the whole day uh, today basically travelling to a Bundesliga game in Mainz. Um, unlucky me, I know. Uh, so I haven't seen any of the Celtic games, so I'm just going to be hoping to get an overall gauge from you two yeah. guys. So basically tell me, John, and tell anyone else listening that didn't catch the game and has maybe just seen highlights what basically happened today at Dens Park. Well, first of all, you're a part-timer now. You're also a German <laughs> football fan, so uh, maybe we should start a German football podcast. But yeah, basically, the, the game... I mean, a lot of people... Um, seemed quite unhappy with the performance but I thought it was actually quite typical of a lot of our games this season um, I feel like a lot Dundee the three games have been by one goal exactly yeah and I think a lot of the anxiety of last week which was kind of masked by defiance um, in the wake of the, the late draw against Rangers kind of rolled over into this week so there was a lot of judgement of players who didn't have a, uh, the greatest of games last week and then again today it doubled up with that but I mean, Dundee frustrated us as as they have done in the, the previous games of the season. We eventually got the, we eventually wore them down. I mean, we we, we um, managed to mount a fair amount of pressure towards the end of the first half. Got the goal, which was fortunate, I would have to say. And then in the second half, James Forrest popped up again uh, for Stuart Armstrong. We're, we're kind of comfortable at that point, but Dundee, mm-hmm. like like they did in the game at Celtic Park, that uh, me and Paul were at, they came into the game in the last twenty minutes and. Took, scored a wonderful goal, one of the best goals of the season and actually Marcus Haber missed a couple of good chances too one that just went right past the post so on another day it could have been a draw but we've been saying that all season so um, it is what it is and, and we move on, we're, we're one more game away from the title which is uh, fantastic Yeah, one game minimum of course it could even be seen mm. by the next time we, we play a game of football after the international break Paul, it's, it's been a, a real kind of key um, component of, of the games against Dundee United this season, eh, Dundee sorry this mm. season have all been Sky by Sports one there. goal um, <laughs> and yeah, they've all been by one goal um, Paul and it's been uh, it's been tough in every game and probably each and every one of them has, has ended with us kind of hanging on a little bit. Yeah it is, it's kind of fair play to Dundee, they've, they've, they've set up well against us and they've finished the game strong as John said that the day we were kind of hanging on in there in the last kind of 15-20 minutes making sure we didn't concede another goal and Although you wouldn't say they had that many chances, they 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 always at the back of your mind there's something there just in case that they could do it. But it seems to be this season, even if we're we're feeling that way in a, in a game, there's mm-hmm. you're quite confident that you're going to win because it's the, the what this Rogers side does. Um, they they hang on, they get they get the win, and um, 
maybe over the last I don't know four or five games we've not been finishing the games off as strongly. Uh, yeah, I think that's the kind of worry people are having, and there's not been the late goals and kind of finishing as, and steamrolling teams. Maybe since Inverness, I think it's probably the last one. We can I can I be a real um, devil's advocate here and, and just play a kind of feeling that I've had for a wee while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I totally believe this feeling, but apart from maybe the Hearts game, the Inverness Cup game, and the Inverness League game, the four 0 away game. Every other game, I think we've been kind of just done enough, but nothing spectacular. Is that a fair point? And is, should that then be a criticism of the team? Um, I don't think it's a criticism. I think it's just the reality of of being so far ahead in the league and not really having a challenge. I mean, it is difficult to motivate uh, an elite squad of players who want to achieve the, the highest things in the game. Um, some of them will have burning ambitions like Mr Dembele. I mean, it is quite difficult to, to keep a player like that motivated, I would say. It's just the reality of the situation that we're in. And I thought the general standard of our play uh, today wasn't great and the, the game was pretty turgid, a pretty turgid watch. But mm. I, I don't think that's... Um, I mean, we have turned on the style this season, don't get me wrong, and we've played some wonderful football at times. But at other times, games have passed us by and they haven't been the most entertaining affairs. So... There were a little bit of panic stations from from like just the general support today on online forums I was watching and, and Twitter as, as well, um, just that kind of anxiety. And but today was pretty typical for me, so that that's why I just yeah, it was a, a win's a win, and I'm happy to to take it. To to be totally fair for all the chat of us maybe just grinding out victories. Today was the first game that we only won by one goal since Aberdeen back away at the start of February. Of course, the Rangers game yeah. we drew, um, yeah. so so we have been winning every other game yeah. by two, by six, by three goals, by four goals. Um, so it does show. I know what you mean. I mean, is it a worry in terms of going into these two big games because we have effectively only got two massively meaningful games, Paul. Can can this team just pick it up? when they want I, th- I, think, I think they will I think they can we, we've seen that we've seen it with um, the Man City game at home we were kind of getting into that game we, we were flying in the league and we had to pick ourselves up for a, for a stronger opponent and we did that we've seen mm. it um, in all the cup games the, the League Cup we've gone through the way that we went through the League Cup the 5-0 win against Motherwell picking ourselves up and making sure that we're not going to slip mm. up in the games I know the, the semi-final against Rangers we were maybe um, we were probably deserving of at least three goals in that game, and it only finished one 0 yeah. But I think we were we were well on top, and it shows that we we can do it. Like look, I think the the key example is the League Cup final, how good we were on the day. We we never let Aberdeen play at all, and we scored three goals, and we looked pretty comfortable. We could have scored a couple more, and it's it's that kind of thing you look back on when you're getting ready for the say the semi final game coming up. You think ah, we're, we're strong enough? We, we've beat this Rangers team. We've not lost to them. We've beaten three times, and they're, they're not a great side. So we need to. We just know that if we play how we can play, then they're not going to stand a chance against us. So I think I that mean, is key. And no caution on that, though. I mean, if we played like today against against the Rangers, it would it would probably end badly for us. Um, I mean, Rangers aren't a great team, but. I mean, they, on their day, they, they, as we saw last week, they can show a hunger and desire to try and get a result. They don't do that um, consistently across the season, which is why they're in the position they're in. But in a one-off game of Hamden, uh, we need to be firing on all, on all cylinders. If if we're below par, um, yeah, it could end badly. But I don't think we will be a below par. Um, but yeah, it's just... Uh, 
I don't. I'm a bit worried that we would, we would take them for not the team, but just in, in general, the support takes them for granted mm. a little bit. Um, I think they're, they're they're a half decent team on their day. Yeah, maybe just to round off this this slight little um, point we're making at the start of the podcast, the fact that we have only dropped four points all season, we will be probably <laughs> we're we'll s- probably champions. Yeah, champions the next time we play, if not before then, yeah. we're still on for the treble. Maybe it's just a, a bit of a reflection of how well this Celtic team is doing that we're even finding criticism in the team that's still winning games away to Dundee, a place that. I think we drew we drew twice against Dundee nil nil last season under Ronnie yeah. Dyer. So it just goes to show. Um, on that subject, James Forrest, totally mm-hmm. different player this season. It's been well documented, mm-hmm. and I know that I think it was you, John, you wanted to kind of touch mm-hmm. on his performance today. Well, yeah, I mean he, he assisted both the goals, so um, a, a good performance. And, and let's be fair, we were pretty critical of him last week, so he turned around. He he was the player that I felt responded most to to that performance of last week and. He's the first Celtic player to reach double figures in terms of assists this season. Really? Got, yeah, yeah, he's got 10. Um, oh, he's got 11 now, actually, because he had nine before. And mm. he's also scored seven goals this season. So that's 18 goals he's directly contributed to this season, which is which is a pretty good return. Yeah. Um, so, and prob- I, I don't know the comparison statistics, but I would imagine it's one of his best returns in a Celtic shirt. So... Um, he is having his best season I think and he showed that again today and you can't deny his contribution so that that's why he's keeping other players at the team is because he's mm. delivering for Brendan Rodgers and Brendan Rodgers trusts him to do the job and if not for him today we wouldn't have won the game so fair enough It's often an unfashionable thing though it seems mm. to, to praise Jane for us it almost seems like for years now that there's been this real kind of almost like a cloud over his head in terms of when's his next injury going to come from and when he's playing fit and doing well it almost seems mm-hmm. like you're waiting for him to break down but he mm-hmm. hasn't broken down in a while mm-hmm. he's finding a bit of consistency in the main he's playing a lot of good football and he comes in I think for a thing that a lot of people don't touch on he comes in for a lot of criti- um, hard tackling sorry he comes mm-hmm. in for a lot of tough criticism from or tough tackling from other mm-hmm. other teams and it's often he's not really defended too well it's always oh James Forrest is injured again that guy's stealing a wage or whatever I, I just think that's the kind of thing that bugs me with James the, mm-hmm. the attitude towards James Forrest I think I think he's, um, I think he's a very, very good player to have at the club. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been on record before. I think we can, if we want to keep improving, we can get an upgrade on him. I think a right-sided mm-hmm. um, Sinclair is a slightly better option than, than James Forrest. I think he's a better player than James Forrest. But when you look at all the hype that was surrounding Patrick Roberts, twelve million he was down south. All the hype when he came up here about this world beater. And for mm-hmm. me, James Forrest has outshone him this season. No, absolutely. I think you yeah, think you're spot on. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it, it comes on to that attitude. I think where we're so the players down south are so hyped and obviously the money helps and sometimes we're maybe not quick enough up here to go this guy I think we do it maybe with 12, 13 year olds like Karamoko Dembele and players like that but mm-hmm. I think when you've got a player like James Forrest who's now probably played loads of games for a club and country and is actually performing quite consistently now although I'd like to see more consistency um, I think I'd, li- I'd maybe like to see him talked up a bit more and gone oh, this guy is actually a good player and we're lucky to have him and he's Scottish I would um, agree so, yeah, yeah. He's, he's never really done it for Scotland though that's mm. probably why he gets a bit of criticism from yeah. the general population um, but yeah fair play to him I mean it's hard I, th- I feel like it's hard to reach a certain level when you play against the competition that you do every week in Scotland it, the depth in the league isn't great as we know and, and we do try and talk up the positive aspects of the game up here but there are realities to it too so um, he's doing well and he's, he's delivering for us this season so I can't argue with that 
Yes, uh, on the subject of Scotland, we asked you a question, a kind of tongue-in-cheek question on Twitter <laughs> earlier on to do with Stuart Armstrong. Of course, Stuart Armstrong is the everyone's favourite, it seems, at the moment at Celtic. And uh, as we said, the hot-button topic ahead of tonight's podcast, the question was, what's your favourite thing about Stuart Armstrong? I will reveal the results in a little second. Um, the options were his hair, his body in of Rangers, his interviews, or his comeback. Paul, mm. what is your choice? I went with his hair, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's probably the best hair in Scottish football, isn't it? Would, would you uh, kill for, for hair like that, Paul? Um, I, I've got hair like that, have you? No, I think he, overall, um, obviously, he's here, it's a bit tongue in cheek and he has got great hair, but he's 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 a brilliant football player. Um, I, I said it when he signed, when they both, him and Mackay Stephen, came in, said he's a better player, he's the one with the, the big talent, and he's shown it this season, he's, he's been phenomenal for us, and uh, especially obviously against Rangers, a couple of goals chipping in there, so. I think he, you see when he, see when he scored the, the the goal in the five one game how how happy yeah. he was it was brilliant. But that was like yeah. his um, that was like his uh, re arrival in front of the Celtic support, wasn't it? Mm. Um, mm. That's the moment where he kind of he, he came on that day and I I'm I'm sure I said to you two guys why we're bringing on Stuart Armstrong <laughs> yeah. and by the end of the game he'd proven me wrong and he's proven me wrong every week since well not anymore because I'm expecting big things from him now so it's an interesting one because I, I sometimes I think there's there's often a kind of feeling among the support that it was that moment that he came back into the the limelight and since then it's been amazing I remember sitting next to Paul of course as we <laughs> did um, at the Man City game Stuart mm-hmm. Armstrong came on as a second half sub and he was completely out of his depth and I said to yeah. Paul and I think Paul said the exact same thing to me he was completely out of his depth so I think even since that game I mean if he, he played against Man City uh, in the following game uh, when he was just getting back into his peak at the start of December and he was absolutely fantastic I realised that that was maybe a slightly weakened Man City team but I'm not, good team, not though, taking yeah. away from him at all he was brilliant that night so I think even maybe since then maybe for me my turning point would maybe be the Motherwell game away from home um, when he was he was absolutely fantastic he was tracking back he was the one player in the, that terrible first half probably the worst half of football we've played domestically mm-hmm. um, he was fantastic and then the second half obviously scoring that, that great goal from the Patrick Roberts pass and almost guiding us um, to, to a massive victory I'd maybe say that was um, that was the moment for me that he turned um, but I think I think the Rangers well, argument's a good one as well I mean he's, he's on 12 goals for the season now that's two behind Lee Griffiths now <laughs> what amount of money would you go, oh, what, sorry what odds would you have got from the bookies last summer if you'd said that Stuart Armstrong has the chance to outscore Lee Griffiths this season <laughs> it's quite remarkable mm. yeah it's a very good point what, what did you go for in your, your poll your own poll my own poll I think of it, yeah I think for his hair just for a laugh but um I mean, it's it's comeback, isn't it? It's, it's just this general, the, mm. the whole the whole package really. Um, just what a fantastic story! Probably the, in terms of players, the one of the highlights of my season, maybe even more so than the more headline grabbing names. Um, mm. And, and yeah. just I think he just seems like a real nice guy. So that's I enjoy seeing him play for Celtic. Yeah, there should really have been an all of the above option in the yeah. poll. I think I went for his interviews. Actually, yeah. I, have mm-hmm. you ever? Well, I assume most people listening to this have heard him mm-hmm. interviewed. Um, yeah. m- maybe we'll, we'll stick a wee clip of him interviewing yeah. right here. Yeah, it was um, important that we get back to winning ways after drawing at the weekend there, um, and I thought we for most of the game we were we were very good and passed the ball well. Um, Maybe got a bit nervy after they scored, but I think we consolidated the game really well and, and sought out. Another goal for you. Talk us through it. Yeah, I think it was a really um, good team goal. Um, we moved the ball 
well from side to side and, and James has done really well to, to skip by his man and, and put a great cross in and um, you know um, sometimes you get the luck with the ball. Scott, in terms of the league now, you only need one win. Is there an anticipation now about getting over the line so early on? Uh, no, I think we just need to continue doing what we're doing. Uh, we're winning games and we're coming away here and it's a hard place to go. And uh, Stuart says we go 2-0 up and you get a wee bit nervy after they score that one goal. But uh, it always happens. But uh, we dug deep and we managed to get over the line. What has this club got or what has this squad got that you've played in previous Celtic teams that maybe other teams haven't had? We've got that winning mentality and we've got that togetherness as well and everyone in the, out there is working together hard on and off the ball and I think that's what's getting us over the line. Tell us about the man next to you and how impressed you've been with him this season. Yeah, he's jumped on leaps and bounds and he was in and out of the team at the start of the season but now he's uh, consolidated his place in that team and he's playing out his skin week in, week out. Are you looking forward to potentially playing with him in the, the two Scotland games coming up? Uh, we'll see, we don't know the team but uh, we'll see. What about you, Stuart? If, if you are playing with Scott, will that help that continuity at club level doing so well that could be taken into international level as well? No, I'm not sure. I think um, looking forward to, to join up with the squad and, and being a part of the, the setup and um, about today as well. It was a very good team win and uh, I think we'll look to recover again. Well, we'll see you during the week. Um, Scott, is, uh, Scott, can you hand over the Ladbrook champagne? Stuart is the man of the match. So yeah, I mean, you can hear the way he he just talks. He's like he's um, it's like a rugby player, isn't he? The way he talks and he's got this fantastic voice. You can tell he's a a genuine like smart guy, and I quite like um, having a player. And I know if intelligence isn't really to do with much about it's all about how they perform on the pitch. But I quite like having a player who you know is actually a decent guy, and you know that he appreciates the fans, mm-hmm. and he, he knows he knows the game of football as well. So I went for his interviews. Um, the winner was his hair, of course, with forty two percent of the vote. <laughs> so well done to everyone. Um, even Laney D, who was uh, tweeting us in saying who the feck is voting for his hair, shambles. <laughs> I'm sure he's um, taking that very very seriously now. He's wee tongue in cheek. Um, but yes, yeah, Stuart Armstrong. Um, what else do you want to touch on from the game today because we've gone off on a bit of a tangent we've got yeah. Simeonovic Paul yes um, best defender best, best centre half that we have and it was great to see Absolutely. him back after last week it was so much it even made Boyata look a lot more assured even though Boyata made a mistake for their goal I think with Simeonovic back in the team you know, just he can breathe easily um, he needs someone else I think I don't think the other two are quite up to his level he needs someone else beside him to, to do the business but he's so he's so good he's so assured on the ball and he, and he can score a goal obviously as well 40th appearance today John what a player yeah and he, you know we've got 11 games now between now and the end of the season um, he needs to start every single game um, and we need to have him as our we need to make him and give him the confidence of being the main man in our defence yep. ahead of these qualifiers in the summer um, and I think he, he'll take that responsibility well but he's, he's definitely our best central defender, um, without a shadow of a doubt. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight him because uh, he, he had a decent game. Funny the way things work out, isn't it? He was almost set to sign for Torino um, in, in the summer when we had all these fantastic mm-hmm. defensive options. It seemed Colo Turi was still a thing back then. Happy birthday, yeah. by the way, Colo. Uh, but yes, Simeonovic seemed to just be away. And, and I remember thinking at the time, look, I wouldn't be so quick to let this guy go he's got something about him he's a good footballer and I think the money that was been quoted wasn't anything massive either I think it was a decent sum but I 
Yeah. I honestly believe he could be um, an 8, 10, maybe even more million pound player if he gets a consistent run in the team. Yeah. Champions League looked to be his level, in all honesty. I thought he was fantastic uh, at the home game against Barcelona. I thought he did really well in the main. Uh, it's a good point you make as well, uh, uh, John. Sorry that he doesn't often make mistakes. We no, couldn't even really think of a mistake no. he's made, which no. in stark contrast to his kind of... Um, counterparts uh, certainly half like say F. A. Ambrose and people like that um, you would maybe have more mistakes you could remember uh, Moussa Dembele Scott Sinclair Kieran Tierney Scott Brown Derdrick Boyata what's the kind of consensus here is just a general malaise that we referred to earlier yeah it's just a kind of general a little bit of a lull in today's performance I felt um, I think Boyata to, to be fair apart from the apart from the mistake actually had a, had a pretty decent game but um, sold, sold to Jersey for the goal but I mean I, a lot of people angry about that afterwards and that's just one of those things that happens that's football sometimes attackers beat defenders and that's what happens it wasn't a glaring error where he miskicks the ball or, or just well, there's a lack of concentration and actually it was, it was in the midfield so I'm not sure if he was even covering for someone else he got, got kind of drawn out positionally a little bit um, but it was a well taken goal a, a real a, a stunner actually so um, and not to be too critical on him, and um, just the, yeah, Dembele and Sinclair again, yeah, you know, like just like last week, just not really in the game at all, and um, not really asserting themselves in the game, not really mm. looking like they're going to do anything in the final third, and Tierney and Brown just uh, a slight dip in and in their performances too. I thought I thought Brown struggled today. Actually, it's probably one of his worst performances of the season, mm. and I think that contributed to you know that we didn't push on and score another couple of more goals. Um, just kind of a lot of um, misplaced passes. They kind of uh, let Dundee get at him a little bit. Um, they kind of shut him down, and they were forcing him off the ball, especially in the, uh, towards the end of the second half. Um, was a bit of a bit of a struggle for him. Um, so yeah. Yes, uh, we had a tweet earlier from R Mackay seventy two. He was asking us to touch on Kwasi Abui's early performances and perhaps worrying performances. To mm. quote R Mackay, is this a uh, we're reading slightly too much into this? What what is this anyway? I haven't obviously haven't seen the game today. Was he just a little bit lackadaisical today just or? Very raw, you know. Like he's, you can tell that he's not had a, a lot of professional games as a footballer. But I don't think. I mean, this is this is way too early. I don't, I don't want to make past judgment on him. He's still learning the game. But I think what it did show is why Brendan Rodgers hasn't been starting him. And mm. I think maybe the thought that he was going to be able to come in and immediately compete for first team places was perhaps a little bit optimistic. Um, but fair, fair play to him. He's, he's learning his trade. He's learning the Scottish game. Uh, if Brendan Rodgers believes in me, if Brendan Rodgers didn't believe in him, he wouldn't be coming on as a substitute. So that's two substitute appearances now. I'm sure he'll make a start before between now and the end of the season. But he did. He did look raw today, and he he, he looked. Uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't the best performance from him. But you know, he's he's very young, and he's he's not had a lot of games. So we need to give him a little bit of have a little bit of patience there. I think uh, for me. Hmm. Anything else to touch on from the game today, Paul? Um, I think it's just John summed it up quite well, um, saying that it's it's just typical. It's a typical game that has been this season, and we got the points. We are three points away from from winning the league, so I don't think we can moan too much about it. How are we wanting to win the league then? Does it does it matter to you guys? Yeah, it does. I thought well, so the scenarios are if um, Aberdeen need to get at least a point in their game on the Friday night against Dundee, yeah, to keep um, it going, to keep it going, and if they if they get beaten by Dundee then we've won the league before we play at Tynecastle. If 
they get a point we, we, we win at Tynecastle it's, it's done and dusted so um, yeah, it'd be fantastic to win it at Tynecastle. But I think even if, if even if Aberdeen lose that game, I think the party at Tynecastle is going to be immense anyway. So um, it's going to be a great day for the sport. Yeah, it's just a long international break to come first. Mm. Uh, I think it's quite a nice point though that we could win it at Tynecastle. It's where it all started mm. this season for us, of course, in the league. We've got that late dramatic goal from Scott Sinclair, who's gone on to do so much this season. Of course, it seems so long ago now. As well, and I remember saying after that game that I felt that would maybe be as hard a test as we'd get on the road this season, and I don't know if there has been much harder test, maybe Motherwell, um, but that, that opening game of the season was a real tough game. We're probably in hindsight maybe a little bit lucky to win that game, although the the Hearts penalty going back ages was of course a dive uh, from Jamie Walker. But yeah, that, that's after the international break. We'll hopefully be champions um, very very soon it seems like it's just dragging on a little bit too long for my liking but um, maybe that's just me being a little bit greedy we've got Lee Lee Congerton uh, the new head of recruitment the club announced Mm -hmm. earlier on in the week they said they were uh, delighted to appoint him he's gone into this role that, that basically means he'll be in charge of, of signing the players what do we know about this guy? The, I know All I really know about him is that Sunder, Sunderland fans hate him um, <laughs> he was their sporting director at the Stadium of Light and they really really don't like him I'm just going to read off a couple of comments here um, From this is from Sunderland fans on Twitter um, one Sunderland fan says much as I'm more a Jers man I wouldn't wish Lee Congerton on anyone so good luck with that Celtic <laughs> um, and another one here uh, Lee Congerton, the Celtic Celtic's problem now with the decline face emoji um, I see Lee Congerton has been announced as head of recruitment at Celtic, good luck to them with that appalling appointment um, Celtic have appointed Lee Congerton oh dear lads, you've got a wake up coming mm. so, so fair, fair to say it's a glowing endorsement then mm, um, from yeah, the Sunderland support Brendan Rodgers seems happy I think it's a sign that Brendan Rodgers is asserting himself in the on the club which is a positive for me so let's let's wait and see yes we'll leave it at that and we'll move on to um, an, an article written today uh, in the Sunday Mail titled Rogers is losing it or that was certainly a cru- the crux of the, the article it was from uh, mm-hmm. Gordon Park so I'm, ass- I'm assured by um, one of my pals that I'm out here in Germany with is a Celtic fan which makes mm. it very even more interesting um, basically today he, uh, he wrote an article saying that and I've, I've kind of briefly read it I think, I think it basically is kind of centred around obviously young Jack Aitchison who will come on to in a wee second and basically the fact that Brendan Rodgers should give up this um, obsession he's got with the invincibility or invincibles tag that this season that we're going for and he should play some youngsters have you read this one Paul we know you're um, you'll have a wee rant uh, do you want to go for it I, it's, it's completely bizarre the the angle that's been chosen here from Gordon Parks doesn't make any sense to me um, Jack Aitchison had a brilliant performance for Scotland I was under 17s and mm. this is he decided to, to pick on this I don't, I don't get it Um you look at Celtic's team and you look at the players that are playing Kieran Tierney is starting week in week out he's young you've got pretty much everybody in that team I would say save for Craig Gordon Scott Brown aye that, that, that's that like everybody else like Moussa Dembele 20 year old like <laughs> he, what, 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 I don't understand this and where's the Where's this unbeaten talk? Brendan Rodgers brushes it aside every time he's asked about it. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is well. He might be obsessed with it in his own mind, and he might be desperate to get it because 
but, but surely uh, that's not a bad thing. No, it would be it. great. Like it, it would be brilliant. And like reading through the article, and it is it, a picture of Dem- Dembele with, with, with Rogers, and it completely contradicts everything that's been said. So it, it's just a bizarre angle. I, I really don't get it. I'll, I'll read a little quote here, and I'll let John come in just after it. Invincibles. It really doesn't matter. In all honesty, it was always going to be a one-horse race for the title. What? Yeah, uh, I just don't get, like. I could honestly talk for ten minutes about this. What I would say is that the chance to have an unbeaten season comes along once in how many God knows years, you know. So this is a, it's a real thing, and we, we've said before that we want the treble and we want the trophies, uh, you know, on the table. But if we've got this chance to go and beat in this season, and you've got to remember we haven't won the league yet, so he's not going to start <laughs> playing Jack Hitchison now, is he? So. It, this seems also a little bit premature it's also a little bit bizarre and I, I didn't really like the fact that he was kind of uh, kind of hiding behind Jack Aitchison a little bit to make this point, it didn't make sense to me and it just yeah. seemed very, it was just a very strange, almost mean-spirited article I thought, I, I felt also that it was just one of those articles that you see um, in, in politics from time to time, trying to take a hot take where, where one doesn't really exist, so mm. all in all, pointless has he forgotten that Calvin Miller started games in December as mm-hmm. well? That kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think he made a point. I'm not going to dwell on it too much. I think he made a point that, that Brendan Rodgers was learning on the job. Um, I would disagree with that completely. I mean, I think Brendan Rodgers is probably as <sighs> uh, professional and as uh, experienced a manager as we've had in in over a decade, probably. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on from that. But that was interesting. You can get that somewhere online, I'm sure. It's floating about Twitter anyway, if you want to get raging for a wee bit. Um, I believe <laughs> Everton, Everton are interested in Dembele uh, yes. and Armstrong. I know you're into your English football, John. Is there, there much credence to this? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's all, the story is kind of based around Rom- Romelu Lukaku, um, who they're Swap saying... <laughs> yeah, I imagine um, who they're kind of saying might be moving on from Everton in the summer. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, to be honest. But um, I thought this was notable because it was the first time Armstrong's really been mentioned or linked with the club down south. So mm-hmm. um, it was mo- no- notable in that respect. Dembele gets linked with the club every two days, so it's not it's no no change there. I, I take it as a compliment that these the English player the English papers are are writing about our players. Um, I think it's a good sign, and I think. Uh, if we keep people's names in the press, it can only be a good thing down the line um, if they do decide to leave or we decide we want to sell them. Yeah, moving on the the news um, wagon, uh, we'll go to BT Sport. They're belie- believing um, the, the article written in the Daily Mail. They're looking to break the £31 million per season record for exclusive solo TV rights for SPFL football. Mm-hmm. I assume um, that it's including maybe a some championship yeah. games as well although mm-hmm. I don't know about that um, and obviously the Betfred League Cup and stuff like that as well I assume this would be a positive move BT for me are the doing a really good job in terms of promoting a game it gets to the stage and the best way I can put it is when you're, you're about to watch a game on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon and you see that it's in BT you're always hoping that it's in BT as opposed to Sky. I just think Sky have become so lackadaisical with their coverage. It's, it's kind of one guy in a studio, usually Neil McCann with David Tanner, whereas BT have got real engaging debate going on. Um, and I, I think they're, they're worlds apart, to be totally honest. Um, I, I think it'd be a positive um, to, for them to get solo rights. What do you think, Paul? I, I don't agree. Um, no? I, 
I, I, I completely agree with the fact that the BT Sport are the, are the best broadcaster. The the way that they do Scottish football is really good with the panel, and sometimes we get more than like they've got four or five guys and they're talking about up the game. But I, I just don't think that one broadcaster should have the rights to all the games. I just I, I think it it I don't I don't know it lessens it slightly that I, I quite like the B, uh, BBC having a, a Scottish Cup game or um, Sky. The fact that since this season they've got all the old firm games on the. On in the league, um, I like Ian Crocker as a commentator. I just, I just think it should be spread out instead of being just one. I, I mean, I, I'd love BT to get exclusive rights. I think it would allow them to fully get behind the product, and I think they would show more uh, interest in promoting it. Um, and I think they would take some sort of ownership in terms of the presentation of it. And I think that would be um, a positive thing for me. I don't like Sky's coverage. Um, and yeah there's nothing, nothing more than I can say for that I'm not even particularly a massive fan of Ian Crocker like I, I do he has given us some iconic moments in the past but um, I sometimes find him quite repetitive I think Derek Ray is a lot more knowledgeable in the game and I think he puts a lot more effort into uh, you know just kind of different kind of chat every week um, I don't know if that's a little bit unfair I mean I, I do I don't I don't hate Ian Crocker or anything but um, I just think the overall uh, package at Sky is is far better. Um, oh, sorry, at BT is far better. So mm. I'd, be, I'd be happy. And if it broke, if if meaning exclusive rights did kind of break some kind of record in terms of money, then that's a positive too. Um, yeah, I, I I would think if this would be fantastic. Mm. How how much does the money matter? It obviously matters to smaller clubs. It doesn't matter much to Celtic. Is it just more in terms of? The fact that more money being paid for a game would kind of signal that our games maybe got a rebirth and it's improving because it's something that I've said now for a couple of years. I think Scottish yeah. football is undervalued in the market. I honestly do. I think yeah. the amount of games you watch in this country and there's goals, there's drama, there's usually talking points, uh, and I, I think it's worth far more than we get for it. You know what? I think the problem is for me as well is. I know I understand what Paul's saying and, and that there's a divide between the rights and that can, can be a positive thing, but I feel like just unifying it and making sure that it's all in one place could be really beneficial. And I'm talking about online rights, I'm talking about um, kind of redistribution of the highlights and the way they're shown. Mm. Um, I understand BT would want to protect the rights, but if they could sort out some kind of deal with the BBC to that the BBC get you know more extended highlights like their Scottish Cup shows on, on a Saturday, I think that would be positive. Um, it's not about the money for me. I think BT are more willing and more progressive in, in their production and in their willingness to work with other companies. And I, I think that would be good for Scottish football. Um, imagine you had all the goals going up on, on Twitter and stuff like they do with the Champions League sometimes. I think that would be really good. At the moment, it's stuck with with the sun and they, they're not really using those digital rights to, to their full potential, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yes, finally, the Celtic women's team opened their league campaign Mm -hmm. with a 1-1 draw against Glasgow City. Seems like uh, it was a a pretty decent start uh, for the the women's side and they've got a big season ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, they drew today. Glasgow City, as we know, um, or uh, you may not know, but they're absolutely, they dominate women's football in Scotland. How many in a row have they got? 
I think they've got 10 they've yeah. got the 10 yeah they're the first, um, first team in Scottish football to do it yeah so they've mm. got the 10 and I think what's happened this season I think Celtic are, are possibly taking it a little bit more seriously I, I believe there's perhaps even a, a, a little bit more investment or at least a lot more bit more willingness to have some kind of flexibility there um, they signed two American women uh, midweek and I think they both started against Glasgow City um, they beat Hamilton on the, the opening day of the season and as I say they, they drew with Glasgow City today so um, it could be one of the best seasons that they've had they finished third last season which um, I think that puts them outside of the qualify, qualifying for the, the Women's Champions League um, but I think if they got into that but they, they might you know, get a little bit more exposure with the, the Celtic support and maybe grow a little bit I know the scope for women's football in Scotland um, isn't as good as in England but um, you know, fair play to them um, and I, th- I think that uh, going toe-to-toe with Glasgow City would boost that league massively um, and I think Celtic are probably the team that are most likely to do it Is Eric Sviachenko's partner kicking about that side? I actually don't know to be honest with you I, I, I mean I, we've said before that we, we don't really talk about the women's team on this podcast because we don't know an awful lot about it and we don't want to seem like an authentic and just kind of talking yeah. about it for talking's sake it is something that I want to um, follow a little bit more closely this season so um, I'll get to grips with things like that as the weeks go on mm. I think um, and keep you updated with, with how the team are doing I think There's certainly a good challenge ahead isn't there because we're obviously mm-hmm. the, the men's team is so far ahead of the rest and then the female team the women's team's going up against Glasgow City who are the Celtic uh, of the women's game so I think yeah. there's a nice wee challenge ahead there wouldn't it be brilliant yeah. uh, to have just Celtic across the board um, all age groups, both genders, it'd be fantastic uh, to see. So yeah, the women's team drawing 1-1 with Glasgow City, a good result there for them. We'll move on to our kind of theme of this week. It's to do, it's called titled One More Time. The question is very simple. Which player from your lifetime watching Celtic would you bring back to watch for one game and one game only? We also said that you get bonus points if it's not Henrik Larsson. You pick, so I'm barring uh, any chat about <laughs> Henrik Larsson. You can see Podcast 7 for that yeah. if you want. Paul, coming to you first, uh, I want you well, get, give us a few options then uh, finally decide on one. Right, um, so I was planning on writing an article about this, but I was too hungover, so I'll do it for next <laughs> week. Um, I, I think that there's, there's so many that you can choose but I, I went for I, I, I brought in a, a short list of three and I did it in a way that these guys would fit into the team just now I know I'm overthinking that a wee bit but there you go so I think we need a, a centre half I think we've all kind of we're quite clear on that we need another uh, guy to be beside Semyonovic so the person that I would bring back and just in my lifetime and what I can remember of Celtic would be Johan Mialbi I think He's probably the best that I've seen. Um, there's an argument for Bobo Baldi, I suppose, but I think he was a wee bit um, prone to prone to a calamity mistake like, like F.A. Ambrose. So uh, that ruled him out. I think we need a, a centre midfielder to to work alongside Scott Brown. And the, the one that springs straight to mind is Neil Lennon. I know that'll kind of folk will go, oh, that's a bit boring, but I thought he was such an underrated player for us. He did a lot, a lot of work in the middle of the park and he broke down the play. Um, same as Scott Brown. And the third one's obviously Henrik Larson. So, 
I took this question and uh, not in a, in a functional sense, but in just a sheer entertainment of who I would love to, as probably pretty selfish in a selfish way of who I would love to sit and watch play a game of football. Effie Ambrose. Effie um, Ambrose, yeah, that'd be a laugh. Um, I like watching Effie Ambrose when Paul's there because uh, he takes great interest in him and seems to fixate on him for the entire 90 minutes. <laughs> just want um, him to score so I can see his celebration. So I take issue with your new landing here, Paul. What, what's your thinking? I know you've you've kind of explained it, but what's your thinking? I didn't particularly like New Lennon as a player. I have oh, to admit. Right. No, I always thought he was I always thought he was spot on. Um never scored that many goals, never set the world alight. I think for me, I don't know if it's just me and my obsession with defensive midfielders. <laughs> I don't. Know if that's, I that, think it might be. Yeah, that answers yeah. it. But when when he was playing, it was maybe five seasons in a row. He was consistently playing forty plus games. He was doing what he had to do very well, and I think the way that he kind of had the, the the passion for the jersey, the same as Scott Brown does, um, could always rely on him to to. As I said, break up the play, um, work yeah. with both the attacking midfielders and the defenders at the time. And I don't know. I think the the way he kind of just breathed everything that was the club, and then obviously went on to manage as well. I don't know if it just I'm being sentimental with the fact that I don't, I don't think he got enough praise as a player. I would like to see him in a team where like they're doing so much because when he joined, I do was kind of a bit. I don't know, a bit blah, wasn't it? It wasn't as if mm. he was like the the this best, the best of the best. He was he was quite old, or I say twenty nine when he joined us, nearly thirty, and he still. Yeah, I mean, he, he had to put up a lot of nonsense, didn't he? Exactly um, as well. So I think he, he's, his stuff on the park got overshadowed by a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. Actually, I think yeah, but McGarvey, you're spot on. One of those defenders that you love watching, and um, mm. purely because of how aggressive and physical he was um, actually in terms of enjoying the joy of defending he's one of the, the best um, we, we've seen in the last 20 years I would say absolutely yeah certainly I'll read out a few sent in to us on Twitter Murphy2706 with a comical answer he's saying Liam Miller so he can throw stones at the wee shit <laughs> good I think a lot of Celtic fans would probably agree with that Aidan Corr saying Hooper just simply Gary Hooper yeah, that was um, a good shout yeah Jinty1888 Scott Allen maybe we'll see him again you never know <laughs> Cajun Firefly saying a toss up between McStay and Burns um, for him probably McStay because he was too young too young to remember the only time um, that he saw him in 1988 and he sent in a nice week in a newspaper yeah, what's the headline well. of that what's the headline of that uh, the Paul McStay show yeah that's a good headline I like yeah. that yeah fantastic we've got other ones in um, Gaz Clark agreeing with you Paul he's saying the bold Lenny Neil Lennon of course Chris Henderson saying Paolo Di Canio the guy was just a blood and thunder Entertainer probably agree with a lot of that as well. Paddy McCourt getting a mention from <laughs> Kyle Wilson, another mention for Paulo Di Canio from David um, Mackay, Charlie Nicholas from Pedro Boy, sitting there thinking, um, King Kenny from Short Term Loan, yeah. Mialbi Baldi, or Baldi, sorry, Amido, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, or uh, Paddy McCourt from David Burke, Johnny Doyle from History Makers, Andy Tom from Kate Coyle over mm-hmm. to you John yeah I mean 
in terms of yeah like that as i said we got a lot of response to this actually um, yeah. and it was, it was paul who came up with the question so fair play to him um a, a lot of people said uh, paul mcstay and i just want to touch on that a little bit because i've spoken about it on the podcast before but he was my hero when i was growing up and i didn't even see him at, at his peak but um, took us through some dark times in the 90s played matches against teams almost on his own and I think uh, that's why that you know the I'm not sure if anyone's seen this but the Glasgow and Gre- the Glasgow is green podcast posted a short clip of Paul McStay at Ibrox oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah where he's kind of arrives in the tunnel and the Rangers team are all lined up and one of the Rangers players shouts you know are you, are you playing on your own today and he just turns around to them and goes why not um, and that's that kind of t- typifies who Paul McStay was to a lot of people with that clip because he did genuinely play, play a lot of teams on his own at times in the 90s um, and a wonderful footballer and a complete midfielder and should have left us to play in a world-class league in Syria but decided to stay with us um, mm. through the darkest period that Celtic maybe ever saw um, you know, we, we went through some rough patches um, after the war, before the sixties, but the nineties were dreadful for a lot of people. And Paul McStay uh, took guided us through that time. So I would love him to see. I'd love to see him play a match and at his peak, because I never got to see that. And I would love, I would love to see that. Um, but I think my pick was between two people, and it was between Lubomir Moravchik and Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, the, the old debate. The old yeah. debate. And yeah, people do debate, and there is an argument that there's similar similar players, um, both very flamboyant on the ball, both with the most magical touch um, that you could ever ever um, dream of as a Celtic fan. And famously, Archie McPherson said about Nakamura that uh, he could open a tin of beans with his left foot. <laughs> <laughs> the quote I always loved, I think it was a Graham Spears one. I remember uh, it was one that I was always picking out in my early kind of days when I wasn't even that into journalism. And I think it was Nakamura's graceful, um, graceful poise in amongst the thundering of hooves in the Scottish game, and it wow. summed it up perfectly yeah. because he was so graceful and brilliant to watch among these kind of big bloater footballers in mm-hmm. Scottish football. He was brilliant. And well, Gordon Strachan reckoned that he was one of the best players that he ever worked with um, as mm. a player or as a manager. Um, and I, th- I think that says a lot about him. I don't think God, you know, we know Gordon Strachan isn't really a bullshitter. Um, and he said, this, this is a quote, he, he said he played with guys like Brian Robson and Kenny Dalglish, who were fabulous footballers. But for a sublime touch, Naka was the best. And he contributed so much to Celtic in his time here. Um, as we know, the, the most talked about goals are the free kicks against Manchester United. Um, which were just so memorable that people can still close their eyes and picture to this day. Yeah. And also the goal against Rangers um, in that 2-1 game where Jan Venegur of Hesling scored the winner. But the the, the the swerve you got on that shot that flew past Alan McGregor is something that I'll never forget. In a game they have to win to even have a chance of taking the title race further. Nakamura! Fantastic strike! Bang on the twenty minutes mark, 
And after all that pressure, it's paid off. Um, but he, he did so much more. He did so much more. He, he scored all those goals against Kilmanic. He scored that goal against St Mirren that made uh, Chick Young absolutely sick. Yeah. He scored a hat-trick against Dundee United. Um, he set up as many goals as he scored, I think. Um, he scored 34 goals with us. I think perhaps one of the more underrated ones is ones that I was talking, the one that I was talking about to you guys earlier in the week, which was yeah. his chip, chip against Dundee United on Boxing Day in 2006. Um, I remember it well. We were 2 0 mm-hmm. down. We'd been fantastic that season. Dundee United came out, they scored in the first half. They then, as was often the case with Celtic, would come back and would win the game. They then scored a second goal and went 2 0 down uh, or 2 0 up at Celtic Park. And we're all thinking, God, this is actually this is one of those days. Um, I think we scored a goal. I think it was Darren O'Day maybe scored a header. And then the ball, that goal from Nakamura. It, the thing you put, uh, touched on there, the fact you can close your eyes and I'm doing it right now and I'm picturing mm. that goal and it's so easy to do with Nakamura. There was something mm. about him. He just controls it with right foot and he catches a goalkeeper uh, just off yeah. his line. It's maybe Alan Combe or someone like that um, and he just lobs it over him and it's and just it's, inch perfect. It's it's one of those goals where yeah, at first you think, did he mean that? Did he, did he really mean to do that or was he trying to cross it to mm. the back post? But he meant every single bit of that. Every yeah, single bit of it. Uh, Nakamura joining basically came at the same time as I got my, my first season ticket. It was pretty much hand in hand. Uh, and I remember um, Na- Nakamura, for me, I maintain with all, all the players I've seen over the last kind of 12, 13 years or so, he's probably my favourite one. He's um, certainly the most talented one as a footballer. Uh, there was this kind of this argument that when he played for us that he was a free kick specialist and nothing more and it used to frustrate me so much I used to say to people come and watch him for a game he's absolutely fantastic um, he would he would drift in and out of games but when he was on it he was just fantastic mm. his passing was incredible I remember one against Hearts um, maybe about 2007-2008 when he looked absolutely cornered in the edge of the box and he just nutmegged uh, Christoph Bear and, and took about three Hearts players out of the game and one of them just tugged them back in the box and he won a penalty I, I remember just watching that one and thinking this guy is something special he was a player I think um, you, you don't realise until he, he went how big a name he was I mean I remember all the Japanese people that would come over for games yeah. just to see Nakamura he was the David Beckham of Japan I remember um, my dad went over to Tokyo um, for work I think and he was um when he was in the shop buying, buying stuff there was Celtic gear up in the shops and it just showed the impact that Nakamura playing for Celtic had on that market for me I'm struggling to think of a player that I, I love more to be honest that played <laughs> for Celtic yeah, I, I think he just kind of you know it's all personal and for me just he signals that that first um, real love I had for Celtic in terms of going to games and uh, he was a joy to watch every single week the one we've maybe not ch- touched on yet the goal was the one that won the league at Rugby Park that was just yeah. absolutely incredible the water bottle that Gordon Strachan threw up in the air no one knows where it landed it's probably still up in the air somewhere uh, and, and that that was just absolutely incredible probably the only thing um, was the fact that it ended um, a little kind of sourly with the fact that we obviously didn't win the league in his final season yeah. uh, and, and like a lot of players in that team actually uh, it kind of ended just a little bit sadly and it was it was just kind of you'd like to have seen him get a send off or maybe even gone after uh, the three in a row season but, but Nakamura for me um, was just an absolute joy uh, to watch the other the other two I'd probably raise um, as, as notable or honourable mentions um, I'd give Gary Hooper 
I mentioned, um, Gary Hooper, hero, scored goals for fun. He was exactly what we wanted as a striker. For me, I still have my head in Moussa Dembele in terms of, probably not ability, or certainly not ability, but just in terms of my love for him. He, he was fantastic uh, for Celtic scoring all those goals. And my other one is, is Paddy McCourt, of course. What about you, Paul? What, what are your memories of uh, Nakamura while we're, while we're on the subject? I, I think he, he, you mentioned that the, the Manchester United, the free kicks, that's that season, the qualifying yeah. for the last 16, and the, the even the game down there that we lost... I think I just remember it vividly how 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 exciting it was, um, because I, th- I think it was the first season we, we we knew we had a a properly good really good team, and we were kind of close to a lot of teams across the continent. And I don't think we at the time we realised just how good that that team was because there were there were some yeah. special players there. Um, but the way that he could wrap his foot round the ball was just he blows your mind. I don't think we've seen MD like him since. Um, yeah. In terms of creativity in the midfield, there's there's nobody that comes close to him. And I think if like although he didn't score a huge amount of goals, he wasn't here that long. He he used to. I don't I don't remember a goal that he scored that was kind of basic like a. Tap in or anything like that, you know. It was always he didn't score tap No, it was always a, a, a wild shot for 30 yards, or it was yeah, a free kick or something like that. The one, uh, the first one of his hat trick um, was quite close to goal, but he even managed to put a little bit of flamboyancy on that and the way he kind of um, uh, finished the ball uh, off. It was in the mm. six yard box and it should have been a tap in for any other player, but somehow he managed to make it look uh, as special as any of his other goals. I would urge um, anyone just to go on YouTube and watch all of his goals. There's a nice compilation mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. goals he scored, and it is such a good watch. He was, I can't talk Kyle enough of him. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. John B uh, also thinks he was amazing. He's saying that Naka. Um, in this Celtic team at number 10 he'd be unbelievable yeah. just stop speaking well. right now John because I'm going to uh, sorry John B <laughs> because I'm I'm going to pass out that, that would just be absolutely <laughs> amazing uh, E Diddy also saying Nakamura maybe the best player I've ever seen live in the flesh I would go along yeah. with that 100% uh, honourable mentions for, for the likes of Kenny Dalgleish from Eddie McFadden Lubo of course I'll let you two touch on, on Lubo a little bit that's from uh, Paul Carney and there's, I think there's a few other people have said Lubo as well yeah I mean Lubo is the the knacker of his time at Celtic um, a very very gifted footballer arguably more gifted than Nakamura I would say and arguably one of the most gifted footballers I've ever seen in the flesh um, he could do things with the ball that I've never seen another player do. Um, and like with you, Hamish, um, that, uh, Lubo's arrival at Celtic kind of coincided with me um, yeah. going to my first games uh, regularly as a Celtic fan in terms of season tickets and stuff. And he was just a joy to watch. And I've got so many, so many good memories of, of watching him. Um, and he, he's, he could score a, a free kick, let me tell you as well. Mm. Uh, wonderful at scoring free kicks. And I don't know what it is about those two. They just had a kind of touch of the ball or a feel of the ball that they could do magical things with it from distance or um, in close control against mm. the opposition. Um, I just, yeah. I, and kind just of be- on their own, aren't they? I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of like, see, obviously you've got Henrik Larson in terms of the 21st century as the big one that stands mm-hmm. out on his own. And Lubo, Maravchik and Shichik and Akimura aren't at that level, of course, but they mm-hmm. kind of stand on their own in the next pedestal, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of 
like really, really top footballers that we've been lucky enough to well, see. When when you think about it, L- Lubo arrived at us when he was thirty three years old, mm. um, and that's in an era where that's very old. I mean, that's I mean, sports science has uh, progressed in a way where that's the equivalent of maybe thirty seven or thirty eight now. So you imagine a thirty eight year old arriving at Celtic and having the impact that he did. Um, he was just oh, so special and um, you know even when he didn't start games he would always come off the bench or, or have a small cameo or do something in the match that just made you want to come back the next week and watch him again and just the way that he arrived with the whole of Scottish press writing him off as a as a has-been and a nobody and to prove them all wrong almost immediately um, was so gratifying for Celtic fans at a time where there was a resentment towards the mainstream press probably even more than there is now um, and at a time where there was a kind of defiant spirit about the underdog status of Celtic for Lubomir Moravchik to come in and shove it all in their faces was just so wonderful and coolly played out by Stubbs to O'Donnell it's a good one by Simon Donnelly in for Henrik Larsson and Moravchik his first goal for Celtic 12 minutes gone and Joshua Fengler as follow Slovakian leads the applause a superb finish and Celtic's decision to push Milovic up front certainly Chris Commons getting a mention from Tom Connolly Jimmy Johnson of course getting a mention from, from lots <laughs> and lots of people um, I mean obviously none of us saw him Paul but he would uh, I reckon he would probably get in this current team I would, I would say so. Um, I think the, the two, <laughs> when looking through the, the replies to the question, the two that jumped out at me, and just the, the sheer amount of jealousy that went through my body was was Bobby Lennox and, and Jimmy Johnson. Um, the fact that there's getting folk on Twitter um, replying to us saying that I, I would quite like to see them in this current team, but I was like, they've seen them play. Um, <laughs> it's it's just jealousy. That's all that is. Um, but the, the two two the probably. The, in the top five of, uh, of all time in terms of, of Celtic players I, I think I said to you guys I would probably have Bobby Lennox at number um, number two uh, ahead of, of Henrik Larsson in terms of all time He's, he was a phenomenal phenomenal football player and, and Jimmy Johnson could do things with the ball that, that I don't think anybody has done since watching clips of what he could do back it's just we went out against everything that, that my yeah it was a phenomenal player one of my favourite Jimmy Johnson clips is the one um, uh, in the testimonial at Real Madrid uh, where he he skins half the team and sets up Bobby Lennox funnily enough to, to blast home and just looks like he'd absolutely ran uh, mm. Real Madrid ragged that night um, unbelievable unbelievable yeah Bobby Lennox getting a mention from T. <coughs> Jaho73 on uh, Twitter, also George Connolly got a mention from John Brogan a couple of mentions for Lubo as well Darius Jakanowski just seems to be a massive fan's favourite I really need to read up on yeah. this guy and see what was so good about him, that's from uh, Gordy McIntyre he'd like to see him in the flesh as well, focus on Celtic saying Paul McStay or Pierre Van Hoydong, I'd say Paul McStay's probably just about won this if it was a vote. He's certainly got a lot, a lot of mentions. Yeah. Uh, Pillow de Carrie will get a few as well. Paul Elliott getting one from from Brian D. Uh, King Kenny Dalgleish from John Cassidy. Apologies if I missed out any of your uh, replies there. There was far too many to get through, but thank you very much for tweeting them them all in. Uh, some fantastic ones there. Are we getting a, a consensus 
on one then? I feel for us personally as a podcast that probably is Nakamura. Um, I don't know how you, you guys feel about that, but in terms of the bridging the gap between all three of us, I think Nakamura is right in that uh, perfect mm. spot. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 think that, that. I think that's good. I like that. Yeah, so in answer to the question, which player from your lifetime watching Celtic would you bring back to watch for one game and one game only? Um, our answer is a grand old podcast collectively is Shinsuke Nak. Amura. So we'll go for the grand old alphabet now, we'll go for letter E, we have moved on to not really much of a debate this week I don't think in terms of the, the winner or the, the letter, uh, what we're going for for this letter, it is of course the European Cup, um, we had a couple of other ones, Paul Elliott, Bobby Evans, mm-hmm. um, any other ones that, that we'd maybe think about for E? Uh, Badir El Kaduri. <laughs> Any serious ones we'd maybe think about for E? Nah. I actually don't think so, it's, no. it's, it was, it's a difficult letter. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. We'll go for the European Cup then. Just touch briefly uh, on 1967, Paul. We're sitting here 50 years on from 1967 and it still means so much. Yes, and I think the fact that we are sitting here 50 years later shows exactly what it means to Celtic fans that have been born afterwards, Celtic fans that were alive, or, um, to see the team win the European Cup first. British team, we, we, we went through all this it's just, we can wax lyrical about this team, I, I reckon we could talk for, for hours and hours and hours about it they were so good, they went against um, everything that, that you would probably think in terms of football, they, they shouldn't have been able to do what they did, they were just so good, they worked so well together and they won the European Cup they probably should have won it twice um, and they they just loved this competition from from kind of 67 right through to maybe 72, 73 they, they, were, they were so good they were a force to be reckoned with and our relationship with the European Cup now obviously the Champions League um, is one that we, we smile, we look back, we smile because it's such a, it's a, a good relationship that we've got with it Yeah, I, I watched uh, parts of the final um, I've never done it before but I felt I had to I mm-hmm. think after a couple of podcasts ago and I started to watch it I couldn't go over just how different the game is back then mm-hmm. it's it's a much slower paced kind of cat and mouse type football back then but it's just mm-hmm. it's absolutely breathtaking to watch just how it goes from being really slow to just exploding into life and, and the football's mm-hmm. fantastic and that Celtic team the, the general quality of touch and, and passing and shooting and movement is, is absolutely incredible I don't know if we could even if there's even any point in talking about them because I don't even know if we can do it justice and um, what was <laughs> achieved and how good these guys were and it is just an absolute privilege without going over the top to have them as part of this club Yeah, I mean we've talked about it at length haven't we, the, the 67 final over the last few weeks just because of uh, the news that it's been coming um, regarding some of the legends and, and the passing of Tommy Gemmell so um, we won't retread the ground too much I won't anyway other than to say um, that they transformed football as we know it they transformed Celtic Football Club they built the legacy that will live forever at Celtic and the, the whole foundations of what Celtic is as a modern football club if you think about the way that the club was kind of uh, reborn in itself from the nineties of from those that time in the nineties, the whole the whole club 
the whole marketing of the club, the whole the the the, the entire way that the club communicates with fans and communicates with different clubs around Europe and mm. takes pride in itself in Europe is all born from those times in the six days. We would not be we would not have been able to produce the performances we have in the UEFA Champions League over the last fifteen years if we didn't have that legacy to look back on and to, to inspire us to to that, those kind of heights. I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that's why the, the supporters are so passionate about European um, Cup football. I think we're more passionate than most supports um, on UEFA Champions League nights, and I think it's because of those times. And I think we'll we'll, we'll forever be thankful for what they achieved. Um, because it's still having a, a, a lasting impact on the team on the pitch today and I, I think that's an incredible thing Yeah, we'll move on then to the Champions League or perhaps European Cup if you want to go back that far touching on our favourite matches what, what, what European competition means to you as a Celtic fan Paul, take it away OK, um, when I realised that we were this is the, the letter for the alphabet I thought, right which which match one match that kind of jumps out and I think that for me there only is one that I thought right aye that's that's it because um, I was just getting to that stage where I could remember games and um, getting really involved with football and stuff like that and it was the 2001-2002 season Champions League Juventus game at home yeah Phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. game of football, and Unreal. the the roller coaster that we all went on in that ninety minutes was 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 something else, and it, it doesn't happen very often that, that both teams are are scoring goals, and I think mm-hmm. that 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 team that we had, we should have qualified that season. We probably should have got a point away at Juventus, and. We underestimated Rosenberg and we lost away from home, but we won all three games. And usually, you see nine points is good enough to qualify. But that game, um, the the goals that were scored and, and Chris Sutton, his reaction, um, is just one of the ones that you you <laughs> always always remember the the way that mm-hmm. he, he celebrates. So, um, I think yeah, it's just it's it's the first time I think, um, I think I think it was the first time in my lifetime. That we, I, I think it was. It was champion like a group stage of, of European. Yeah, um, and I think it was just for the for the whole fact of how exciting it was. It was different. We had a great great side, and obviously they went on the the following year to to get to the final of the UEFA Cup. So, I uh, Juventus four three, and what a win! Yeah, that's a that's a good pick and a very very memorable night. And there's um, people who swear that that's still the loudest they've ever heard at a park. Um, and what were you guys' first European game? Do you remember your first European game? First European game um, was at Media Bratislava, second oh. leg. Okay. Um, my first group stage game, let me think, would have been, I think, Copenhagen at okay. home. Kenny Miller scored. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Paul? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, Barcelona was my first European game. The three-one okay. game and Larson scored. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. You've said that before. I think I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it was Villarreal in the o three o four season with the one each. Okay. Um, I think that was my first. I can't remember. Um, it doesn't jump out at me as maybe it was a defeat or something like that, and that's why I'm trying trying to forget about it. Mine's was in the nineties, and it was against Paris Saint Germain in the European Cup Winners' Cup in nineteen ninety six. Um, the season after we won the Scottish Cup, 
Um, and Paris Saint-Germain gave us a football lesson that night. They scalped us 3-0, um, put us out, they went on to win the trophy. Um, Stefan Mahe was in the team that night, um, in, the, in the Paris Saint-Germain team, uh, really? um, as was Paul Le Guin. Um, <laughs> and they were absolutely sensational. I still remember vividly each goal going in that night. There's one goal, I think it's the third goal, where the ball's played forward from the Paris Saint-Germain defence and Yuri, Yuri Jorkaev um, does a kind of scorpion kick or flick uh, over his head, runs onto it and absolutely humiliates John Hughes, um, who was uh, our central defender at the time, and squares the ball for the attacker to, to bang it in the net. And it's, it's a beautiful goal, probably one of the best goals I've ever seen at Celtic Park. And it's, it was obviously uh, not a great night for Celtic supporters, but the Celtic supporters appreciated the performance so much that night that they applauded Paris Saint-Germain off the pitch it was that good mm. um, and that was, in a, that was in a time we didn't compete in Europe and we didn't have really any ambitions of competing in Europe um, there was obviously still the lingering hope that we could do something special but uh, it, was, it was never likely and that, that Paris Saint-Germain team are, were very special and I noted after the, the first leg of the Barcelona game recently that I hadn't seen Paris Saint-Germain demolish a team like that uh, since they did it to us in the Rangers Um but yeah, so it was actually that I do have fond memories of that night. Funnily enough, I think my favourite European night. There's a few. Obviously, the Man United game at Celtic Park um, was such a massive occasion. I think the last ten minutes of that game are, are possibly the best I've ever seen. Amazing. And, and I think for that game, um, I possibly enjoy it more than even the Barcelona game um, that obviously people love so much. But the last ten minutes of that Manchester United game were. Nakamura scored the free kick and then Boric saved the penalty and we'll never see anything like that again I don't think it was just bedlam absolute bedlam mm. um, and the other game that springs to mind is the Benfica 3-0 game um, Kenny Miller scored again funnily <laughs> enough <laughs> scored um, two that night yeah I just remember being so dominant in that game and I felt like we were a true European force at that time um, and it was just a, a joy to watch uh, what we would give for a performance like that now yeah, for, for me, I've been pretty privileged, well, Celtic fans have been pretty privileged over the last kind of 10, 12 years or so with the amount of teams we've beaten at home. There is one that's right at the top of the list, and I think you, you know what one it is. Man United was amazing, um, beating them at home. Shakhtar Donetsk is always one that I remember, the Donati yeah. goal in the last minute. I maintain that that's the loudest I've ever heard Celtic Park, and it's strange mm-hmm. because it came in a game, and Shakhtar Donetsk weren't, they were a, a good team, they were a Champions League team, a lot of money played into them, but they weren't a Barcelona, Real Madrid mm-hmm. or a Bayern Munich. They were a half-decent team, but a team we'd probably expect to beat at home. But there was something about that night, coming from behind, losing that really early goal. Um, Yarisic scores just before half-time, and then Donati, I can still picture it from my angle. The ball just taking a wee deflection and going into the net and the absolute euphoria after it. Oh, he's done brilliantly, McGeady. No! But no, num- number one uh, is the night we beat Barcelona. I've already yeah. touched on it, so I won't go into it again. But that was everything about that night was absolutely amazing. I think for me, the Champions League, the thing I love about the Champions League is as much as we, we maybe try to talk up the competition in Scotland, we're always going to be the best team um, 
in Scotland at the moment certainly usually we're, we're, we're always in the top two teams in Scotland and we're expected to win most games and there's sometimes a real expectation and the thing I love about European football is that you're going up against really top quality players and there's mm-hmm. something different about going out and seeing a real world class or European class footballer out there and a team of European class players and knowing we might actually not win tonight a point might actually be an yeah. okay result and mm-hmm. I quite enjoy that kind of that real nervousness and I know it's something we spoke about to do with Celtic Rangers games in the past about mm-hmm. you, you guys or you especially John hating that feeling during the game the mm-hmm. European one for me is a kind of the same kind of feeling of anything could happen here and it wouldn't actually be a big shock if we lost a game 3-0 in Europe at the moment just the way the golf is yeah. and I love that kind of that euphoria when we scored a European goal for me um, for me it, it even beats scoring against Rangers it is just incredible if we score a goal against a big proper team like, like mm-hmm. the Man City game or mm-hmm. like Barcelona that night nothing beats that for me as a that, Celtic that, fan that Man City game is still my favourite game of the season um, yeah. the, the 3-3 draw um, and I know we've, we did that through the Daffy Awards um, halfway through the season on a winter break and we felt we couldn't give it to that game because it was a draw but just thinking back reflecting on how the goals that night made me feel and how mm. Dembele's second goal that night made me feel um, nothing has beaten that for me this season you, you expected a tank in that night 3-0 I think you said yeah I did yeah well Man City had won every game up to that point um, mm. and we're looking like a lot of people when Pep Guardiola arrived were like are they going to be good are they going to be is, is this where Guardiola is going to be found out but up until that point, everyone thought that they were actually title contenders in England. Mm. Um, oh, wonderful. I, lo- I love European football. We've, yeah. we've spoken to Celtic Ranger games. I, lo- I love European football way more than the Derby. Way, way, way more. Um, and I think it's the level that we should define us. We should uh, measure ourselves against. And I think ultimately, that's what even cost Ronnie Dyla's job. The, performance, the results in Europe weren't good enough. And I think that's why um, eventually we had to say goodbye to him. I just love everything about European nights going out and seeing the Champions League hordings around the stadium the, the fact it's at night in the Champions League anthem nothing just to, for, for just me to, just to talk personally for a moment um, obviously people know that I had the chance to work on the Celtic Live project over the last few years mm. and you guys always arrived later in the day but I would I would always go in as early as I could um, at like half eight, nine in the morning um, even though I knew I was going to be working until the back of ten that night and yeah. I would just be in the stadium and just see them set up the stadium and make it a UEFA stadium and putting all the as you say the, 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 even just the daft things like the Mastercard the hoardings and all that Amazing. kind of stuff um, it was just such a special time those are the moments I'll never forget as the European nights at Celtic Park where we're working there um, incredibly special and just always had that kind of excitement that I don't I don't get um, week to week I, I mean of course I'm excited to watch Celtic but it's a different kind of excitement it's like a burning passion when we're playing European football that um, probably is why um, I'm still as invested in Celtic as I ever am What was your, your favourite Champions League or European night when we were working there John? <sighs> I don't know that's a good question Inter Milan uh, Yeah that was good wasn't it? it was just... That was good I, th- I, th- I think Caragandi for me, but you were one of there. Yeah. Caragandi for you, yeah. I think Man City for me. Yeah, you, it was just so good. Uh, so good. Mm. Man City was the only real kind of big one that I, I worked with you guys, and that, that night was just incredible. That was a real. That was a good Man City team um, turning up, and the the kind of beating everyone before them in English football. And I loved the fact that the, the first time they went behind under Guardiola was at Celtic Park, and that was always 
be the case. I know, as you say, they've been found out a little bit now, but that just summed up like European football and Champions League football, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, one point I would make is that that Inter Milan game was, of course, a Europa League game. It felt mm-hmm. like a Champions League night. That it just goes to yeah. show that there may well be. Um, if you can get to the latter rounds or later rounds of the Europa League it turns into a hell of a tournament uh, it brings up the point Paul will we ever reach another uh, European final be it Champions League or Europa League absolutely I think <laughs> give us a year um, 2022 good <laughs> so within that's close enough uh, that's so, close so enough. within the next Five, four or five years I think am I, am I right that'll be the season when we win 10 in a row we'll just get to so a final at the same by that time. point we'll be on like the grand old podcast what number 232 <laughs> live, live from live from Seville <laughs> so um, no I, I think there's I don't see why you would say no to that question that um, we've done it before we've done it um, as recent uh, as, as, as like 2003 so it's not that long ago it's obviously a difficult way a difficult thing to do I don't see us getting to the final of Champions League anytime soon but looking at the Europa League this season and looking at the draw for the quarterfinals there's no reason why we shouldn't be mixing it with the teams at all we, we've got a good team we've got a good base at the moment Brendan Rodgers sticks around, sticks around builds on that then why why can we not be a force in, in Europe I don't, I don't see anything stopping us all, all, yeah. I'll say, all I'll say to this question is if Natural Noble can do it then anyone can do it <laughs> mm, yeah, very fair point. Very fair point. I, I've already said. I think one of the early podcasts. I think not yeah. only will we make a European final, but I think Brendan Rodgers will take us to one as well. Uh, so I'll just let those words stand on their own, and people can mm-hmm. make up uh, their own minds. Hopefully, um, listening back to this uh, in sunny Spain in May 2022, um, <laughs> when we are we're getting ready to win the Europa League. So there we go, um, Paul. You have no Sunday shoot today. No. I believe due to your your drunken behaviour last night. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I didn't get to my bed to uh, the early hours or let's say the late hours of of this morning, and I spent most of the afternoon sleep, sleeping. So um, I didn't get round to to write an article, and I don't think it would be very coherent anyway. So um, <laughs> I'll try and get round to uh, maybe make it a Tuesday shoot or something like that. Uh, talk about the the one more time. I'll do a wee bit on that. I think that. Talking and going into a wee bit more detail, but Neil Lennon, Mialbe, and, and I know the band, Bird Henrik Larson. Terrific, yes. Um, next week, of course, is an international break, but don't worry, we will be back. We're not taking a week, o- week off or anything like that because we'll be going with the theme of the Scotland 11. Basically, we are going to pick a Scotland 11 of Celtic players. Um, over, I think we're going to decide we're going to do it in our lifetimes um, the simple fact for this is uh, that if we did it for of all time we'd probably just fill it with the, the 67 <laughs> team um, so we'll make it a bit funner than that those uh, those killjoys in 1967 being so good um, and we'll make it uh, in our lifetime maybe even just put a year on it maybe start in 1990 something like that maybe Mm -hmm. Um, players getting caps after that qualify so that'll be interesting we'll get that next week we're going to chat about that of course I'm sure you'll be sending out a tweet John uh, over the course of the week but um, when that comes out feel free to to tweet us in uh, your opinions I'm sure there'll be be some people that we'll forget Um, so yeah that's next week while the international break is on um, yeah, other stuff. We have uh, got an email address. Of course, it's podcast at a grand old team dot com. You can also leave comments or like us on Facebook, where Fritz a grand old over there, and on Twitter, it's at Fritz 
a grand old as always if you've enjoyed the show please feel free to leave a wee rating or a review on iTunes um, and thanks to everyone again um, for continuing to listen to the show now guys I'm going to say goodbye to you but first uh, I'm going to just end on a little bit of a bombshell question for you uh, the one that I was um, actually meant to bring up earlier but I forgot <laughs> if we don't win the treble this season has it been a failed season under Brendan Rodgers? No, no it hasn't um, every season should be defined by what it was like at the start of the season and I think the progression showing under Brendan Rodgers um, even if we don't win the treble makes the season a success and gives us a great platform for next season to go on to future success trebles are very very rare in Celtic history and we should never expect them we should always hope for them and even though it feels so close and that it should be within our grasp if we don't win it, it will be infuriating, uh, annoying, uh, feel, it will feel disgraceful. But in the grand scheme of things, um, it doesn't make our season a failure. I passionately believe that. Will it be portrayed as a failed season then, Paul? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think the way that the season's went so far with the unbeaten run, um, winning, beating everybody quite handsomely, if we don't go on and win the Scottish Cup, then questions will start to be asked about Brendan Rodgers, about the, the players and about the the mentality. But I think John's spot on this season's a success. We've been we've been brilliant this season. We've been better than we've been in the last, I don't know, what, seven, eight years. And we are the best team in the country by a, a, a long, long way. I think any season for me I always think any season where we win a trophy is a success because you should never take your stuff for granted that we're always going to have this right to win stuff. We're winning a sixth title in a row. If that's not a success, I don't know what is. Thank you, Paul Fisher. Thank you, Hamish. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, John McGinley. Thanks very much. What about you, Hamish? Do you think what, what do you think oh, about your own no, question? I just asked the question, John. <laughs> but no, um, I uh, I don't know. When when do you judge if a season's going to be successful? You probably judge it at the start and then the end don't you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it certainly will feel like a few I'm not going to lie if we don't win the treble it's going to feel like a few because it will mean that either Rangers or Aberdeen or Hibs have beaten us I don't think any should be beating us at Hamden I appreciate one-off games can happen um, I'm going to kind of abstain from the question because I think we will <laughs> win the treble so I think it'll be okay. a completely irrelevant question um, so there you go. go thanks very much guys uh, thank thanks. you very much uh, to you for listening and um, yeah keep keep listening we'll be back next week hail hail